This is Deepa from DeepaBarrow.com, and you're listening to the Deep Beauty Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Deep Beauty Podcast. I have a really great episode and interview for you guys here today. My guest is Trisha Sakuja-Walia. She is a digital content creator, social media strategist, and co-founder of Brown Girl Magazine. How are you doing today, Trisha? I'm doing so well. Um, excited to be, um, you know, on your show, and uh, you know, just grateful that you that you'd asked me to come on. No, I'm really excited to have you on. I have like I, I'm really excited about this interview because I feel like it's something that um, your journey is kind of something that I went through as well. So I'm really excited to share it with all of the listeners and to let them know kind of how to navigate this sort of career. You know. The whole thing about being Indian or South Asian, it doesn't have to be Indian, but being South Asian and having the pressure to, you know, either follow some sort of really serious degree, like an engineer, doctor, or lawyer versus what, you know, your passion is, what you're really good at and what your heart really pulls you towards. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about how Brown Girl Magazine started first? Because I'm a huge, huge fan. It's such a great resource. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate the support and, and that you showed to the magazine. So yeah, so of course, you know, um, Brown Girl Magazine wouldn't be what it is today if Aditi Mehta, um, you know, if she hadn't started it back in 2008, you know, she was in college in Texas and just, you know, her and a few friends started blogging and, you know, she set up this website and she was so young. I think she was like maybe a sophomore in college. So that's a pretty big deal. And this is 2008. So there is no Mindy Calling. You know, <laughs> we don't have Priyanka Chopra. Yeah. Uh, there's literally, there's no Aziz and sorry, there's nobody in mainstream media that she can look up to. Um, you know, now at least we have like a million South Asian influencers and models and lifestyle bloggers that we can kind of reach out to and talk to. But in 2008, you and I know there was nobody. Yeah, so for true. her to start this and just start it so organically and have so many of her friends start contributing just in Texas, it was definitely a really big deal. And that's why it picked up steam. Um, and so we're just grateful that it grew so organically. <laughs> over the years. And I think that there's still so much more growth um, to be, you know, to be had, but we're excited of where we are right now. And we have readers literally coming in from every single country around the world. Um, we have 150 contributors writing wow. for us um, from all over the country. And now we have a solid team out in Canada. And this year we, you know, finally formalized a team in London. Um, so I'm, I'm shout out to both my Canadian and my London writers and my editors. I'm really excited to have them on board. And, um, and, and more so, we realized over the years that, you know, our mission is not just to empower young South Asian women living in the USA, which was what we originally started with. Our mission is much bigger than that. It's, it's actually to be a platform for South Asians, men or women all over the world. Um, and so believe it or not, 30% of our traffic is male. And I know that we can grow that number a lot. Um, next year, we're going to be focusing on creating an all male team because why don't we have one yet already? I do not know. <laughs> um, and, and I know there's a lot of there's a lot of interest um, from, you know, our, the, our male, <laughs> our male friends when it comes to Round Girl magazine, we just need to formalize it and put it on the map. So, you know, we're working on cool things, always producing a lot of content. I think this year we're going to be, uh, you know, very, very, very close to, to reaching 2 million page views, which we're, of course, oh, um, very wow. grateful and excited about. 
That and is in a terms huge of, number. Yeah. And in terms of um, producing uh, content, um, you know, last year we did 800 pieces of original content. So, you know, the year's almost done. So let's see how many pieces we do this year. But I'm pretty sure it's upwards to 1500 because we definitely, wow. you know, pumped up our, our producing our production this year. So a lot of cool things to be happy about. But still, you know, we're, we're still focusing on growing um, and, and bringing a lot of value to our readers. Okay, so now I want to take everybody back a little bit. And we were talking earlier about how you kind of got into this whole field. But why don't you share with everybody how you sort of were feeling the pressure to follow one path and you some sort of something like I just feel like it was divine intervention and that you ended up taking the actual path that you did. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely are right about that. And I think the conversation that you and I had offline was it also reminded me of like, oh, wow, because I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't talked about that for a while of how far, you know, this journey has been for me. And it was it's completely different from what I had envisioned. So I think for any young um, boy or girl listening who maybe is still in college, it's important to know that like you can kind of envision anything and end up somewhere else. So of course, since I was like in third or fourth grade, I think I wanted to be a lawyer. And I always just kind of thought about being in court wearing like a, you know, like a mid high skirt and like a cute blouse. And you know, that's just I always thought I was going to be a lawyer. And I thought I was gonna go to court every morning. Um, And I was really trying to pursue it. Um, You know, I am probably one of the only ones out of like my close friends at the time who were studying, I took I took three different LSAT courses because I really, my parents were just like really into it. I also had private tutoring on top of this. So you can just imagine how much we invested into me trying to go to law school. Um, And and I think I took the LSAT, I think four times. So I, you know, now I'm not embarrassed to say it, but when I was younger in college, I definitely didn't want to talk about how many times I took the (laughs) LSAT, but it was just something that wasn't working. Like it wasn't clicking for me. I was trying hard. I was studying, but you know, when just something doesn't click, your destiny yeah. just, it doesn't work out. So I kind of had to kind of had to give up on that dream. And I know you and I also spoke about um, kind of what I went through from like a health perspective as well um, throughout that whole time. Um, mm-hmm. Many may not know it or believe it, but you can actually induce mono from stress. So I had a lot going on in my life. This was like junior year of, of college. I'm trying to figure things out, super involved in extracurriculars, but still trying to like do well in school, you know, was trying to ace the LSATs and somehow um, I just, you know, I got mono (laughs) and I got really sick and it was weird and difficult to explain that to my parents and to my friends. And, you know, I was in a sorority. It was just like tough to talk about. But and I kept trying to say, hey, like it was induced by mono because I mean, induced by stress, because, of course, we all know the stigma behind mono. And, uh, you know, I had basically, you know, one long relationship throughout college. And thankfully, I've married him now, my husband. But (laughs) even in, in college, I was like, but I've been with a sheesh. How can I get mono? (laughs) So, so yeah, so that honestly did prevent me from doing my best in school and in extracurriculars and and while I was studying. And it took away like a good chunk of time. I remember just like struggling with it on and off for about like five to six months. And, and when you think of like a school year, five to six months is a really long time. You know, I made a lot of excuses about work and school, this, that, and the other. And, and, 
you know, at that moment, I didn't fully realize that, okay, this is maybe leading up to the fact that maybe I shouldn't be going to law school, you know, but eventually, uh, you know, when the dust started to settle, and I started to feel a little bit better, and my brain, my mind was a bit more clear, I had more in-depth conversations with my parents and with Ashish, who was actually applying to law school now at this time, because we were trying to study together. Mm-hmm. It just kind of dawned on me that maybe I shouldn't even apply to law school, and I should just focus on getting a master's instead. Thankfully, I had gotten into a master's program for public policy, so that kind of held me over. <laughs> so, you know, and at the same time, I was minoring in journalism, and I found Brown Girl just, I think, a year before all of this had happened. I was dabbling into what it means to write for a blog. Um, I was writing news content for them here and there. I had also joined my um, campus's um newspaper team so I was writing there so I was just starting to understand what it means to be a journalism uh, and and to be a journalist um so I kind of just fell into it and at the same time law school just didn't happen (laughs) I sort of think that like I really believe that things happen the way that they're meant to happen and the fact that you know you had mono and you had all this stress in your life and you weren't able to fulfilled this dream that you thought that you had when you were younger and that you thought you were supposed to do. Um, I think that, you know, it's just, it's something that just sort of happens for a lot of people. A lot of people just end up ignoring it, but you kind of went with the flow and you kind of let it take you where you wanted, you know, wherever it was meant to take you, which is Mm -hmm. eventually to where you are now, which is amazing. It's It's such an amazing, uh, level to be at right now with Brown Girl Magazine. It's so exciting, all the things that are coming out. Now, like, did you make any sort of, like, conscious decision at some point to leave kind of the corporate world and follow this full time? Or did it just sort of lead that way? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, So, you know, I've been really fortunate enough to have worked for a couple of different um, PR companies. And also my most latest venture was at ZTV. Um, Of course, everyone knows the very famous Indian TV channels. I was there for about three, four years and, you know, had dabbled in with some newspapers as well in the past. But I think ZTV was probably like my longest term in terms of like experience in in managing and writing and editing news content. I was um, working on two different websites there. Um, and I knew in the back of my mind always that I wanted to work on Brown Girl more wholeheartedly and I wanted to be able to pursue it on a full-time basis because you can never really fully exceed in anything if you're doing it you know, just for a few hours in a day. Um, And I wanted to stop living that lifestyle where I was kind of doing brown girl on the side, calling it my passion project, but still going to work every day and, you know, and and trying to pursue my full time and trying to excel there. So I think just trying to excel at too many things at once is is what really caused the frustration because I realized I'm not going to be good at anything. So, you know, I'm, of course, really grateful and lucky that this year I finally mustered a lot of courage, a lot of strength, a lot of support, um, both emotional and financial, um, from my husband, my parents, um, all my friends, you know, and, and this year, just, just literally a month ago, which is, I, which is when I think we originally spoke is when I, you know, finally took this decision to pursue Brown Girl 
uh, you know, more on a full-time basis and see where it goes. And, and hopefully it leads us in a really good place. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, it's such an exciting time, like in your life, when you make a big decision like that to follow your passion, just like wholeheartedly, I'm so excited for you. And I know you'll do Thank really you. well. Like I, I, I feel like it. you have everything in you that it takes to, to, to make this happen. So I'm really excited for you for that. And I appreciate it. No problem. I, I just, do you have, like, I just want to uh, kind of bring the viewers or the listeners into this and sort of help them out. Cause there are a lot of people out there that are either starting out or they're in their, the middle of their career and they're kind of feeling stuck and they don't know either what they want to do or, so it's kind of like a two part, like what they want to do or they don't, they're, they don't believe that they can make their passion their full time. Do you have anything, mm -hmm. any <clears throat> advice for these people at all? Yeah, of course. I, I think the first piece of advice is hard to hear, which is you kind of have to continue doing both. Um, unless there's a factor, like a variable factor in your life that allows you to give up your full time, you know, because paying for bills and putting food on your table comes first. Um, so even though I am now pursuing Brown Girl more on a full time basis, I have picked up a consulting gig on the side and I will continue to pick up consulting gigs on the side right mm -hmm. now. I'm lucky to be working for a new beauty brand. Um, and which is good because I'm learning from them. They're learning from me type of thing. But I, I do feel like the hard part about this advice is it, it's hard to give up that paycheck because how else will we pay for bills and food? So I do believe that you should stick it out in your full-time job for as long as you can until you've maybe raised capital for your um, part-time passion or if you've garnered enough financial support in another way, maybe through marriage <laughs> or maybe through your family and friends. Um, I, I do think it's feasible to continue doing both um, until you realize that, okay, this is, this is it. Like I cannot do any more. You have to kind of hit that tipping point on your own. Um, but other than that, I do feel like we're in a really cool place and time in our community right now where we're all working and hustling in the mornings, in the evenings, over the weekends. Like, I feel like that nine to five culture is no more. So if you're trying to hustle on your passion, it's very likely the 10 people you speak to are also hustling on their passions. So you'll be able to relate to them really nicely. And if you feel like you're stuck, and I know I've used this so much in the past, and I still continue to do this, is just reach out to people on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, you know, um, my husband's actually really good at this. He's talked to a bunch of like big time uh, VCs and investors. He's in the tech world just through Twitter, you know, um, he's able to get their attention. He's able to get their email addresses and kind of learn from them and get their support by just sending them a quick DM. Um, and I think that that world of DM right now Everyone should leverage it. You shouldn't be scared. Literally just send out a quick message. It doesn't need to be five paragraphs because no one has time to read five paragraphs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> send them. And I do this. I still do this. I mean, any person that we're interviewing or talking to at BG, it's because one of us has DM'd them, you know, like this oh, morning, I, agree, I think I DM'd sure. at least two people and I'm like, Hey, one quick sentence would love to connect with you. Let me know if this is a good time and gave them like a quick idea of what I'm thinking. And that's another part of it. Always go with a really concrete idea so that whoever you are approaching 
whether you're asking them a question or asking them for advice or going with them for a collaboration idea, just have it really concrete and concise. So that way, you know, it's going to get done. So yeah, those are just a few things that I know I've applied in my life, which are doable in this day and age. I totally agree with the DM thing. I just have to... So basically on my YouTube channel, I have um, an interview series where I interview different entrepreneurs. um, And um, I got to interview Gary Vaynerchuk, who is huge. And it it was all through DM on Twitter. That's amazing. And he's like that. So funny you say that. My husband, Ashish, was actually on Gary Gary Vaynerchuk's show, the one he does on YouTube. Yeah. And it was literally because of the same thing. It was because of a Twitter interaction, you know. So people like Gary, they're they're very open to talking. And that's that's what they thrive off of, you know, totally. And because we've built this global community now, like anyone who's DMing me, like I treat it just like an email. I'm going to reply to you within 24, 48 hours and make sure X, Y and Z that you're asking for is being fulfilled in some capacity if not I'll pass it on to someone in my team who can take it on you know so uh, that's the world we live in and I'm so grateful for it (laughs) yeah and I agree that um you know you kind of condense it down into exactly what you you know are asking for the person and and it's so much easier and quicker to read and quicker to respond to and I think Twitter you made a really good point about Twitter because Twitter is a great place to get into direct contact with somebody because there's not that much competition on Twitter. There's right. um, it's sad to say because Twitter was a lot bigger than it is right now, but I mean if you if you DM somebody on Twitter versus on um Instagram, you will definitely get you're more likely to get their attention, you know, on Twitter Absolutely. I find. I agree. For sure. The growth on Twitter has definitely slowed down for a while now. Um, but that but means that we can take either it, way, advantage of it, right? take advantage of yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so there's just a, a little bit of tool. extra, you know, a little extra um, advice for people that are listening. Um, so what can we um, expect from um, from yourself and from Brown Girl Magazine in the, in 2018? Yeah, of course. So I think for me, um, personally, I'm looking to like, you know, uh, really just become a part of this new life (laughs) that I've entered in and and really understand what it means to fully run um, a a business and, um, and just embrace it. You know, I mean, of some parts of it, some days I'm still really nervous about it. There's a lot of financial and legality involved in everything that I'm doing basically every day. My attorney is literally my new best friend right now. And my dad, thankfully, who's a CPA, I literally calling him every day about QuickBooks, you know. So I think for me personally, I'm just looking to embrace this new life that I've chosen because this is a lot more than just me doing journalism or editing stories or publishing content. I have to try to make this business sustainable and also scalable. So I have a big challenge that I and that I have to hopefully um, fulfill um, within the next year or so because I'm only getting older. <laughs> and um, in terms of Brown Girl, you know, we're really excited about our growth this year. This was the first year we put together a team of mom bloggers. So now we're focusing a lot on parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, we realize we're seeing a lot of traffic from 35 plus, also 45 plus. So it's really oh, wow. important for us to cater to that audience right. and give that audience the kind of content that it deserves. And this year we actually put on our very first Mother's Day event. We brought on five, six sponsors, all of whom um, were selling a different type of product or service and they were all moms and they all came together and collaborated and we had a really fun evening for Mother's Day. So I think just, you know, working towards expanding our 
um, readership is really important for next year. So, of course, we're always going to be a platform that focuses on empowering young South Asian women. But at the same time, we also want to be able to take in some of our new readers like our moms and also start focusing a lot more on South Asian men. And so I think one of the like I mentioned before, we definitely want to put together a team of male writers. So if you're a male writer interested in the South Asian world, culture, lifestyle, whatever it may be, reach out to us because we want to publish your stories and we want to have you as a part of our team. And um, we're also in the process of, you know, publishing an anthology. So I hope that we can um, wrap that up really soon and put it out in the market early next year. So um, excited about being able to put something concrete in the market that's actually tangible that says our name on it so I think that part is going to be like really surreal for me because I don't see brown girl <laughs> as a tangible product ever you know and um, and then overall we're going to be launching a brand new face for the website and a brand new logo oh, in early 2018 fun. as well so hopefully you know we're, we're just we're trying to uh, revamp and expand and, and hopefully make the business uh, sustainable for next year. Oh, it's going to be really exciting to watch, and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure everything's going to be ex- executed beautifully. So, why Thank don't you, you. let um, everybody know where they can find you, where they can find Brown Girl? Just drop your Absolutely. handles. Yeah, of course. Thanks for that opportunity. So, so of course, um, you know, you can find us at browngirlmagazine.com. We are super duper active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I think we're updating five to six, sometimes eight, nine times a day. Wow. So you'll definitely catch us there. Um, literally uh, 365 days of the year. So we never stop updating our pages. And on a personal um on a personal level, I've been really, really active on my Instagram. I'm trying to grow that platform for myself. Um, I haven't been able, I've always kind of focused on Brown Girl more. So I think the past few months now that I'm doing this full time, I'm realizing the importance of also kind of working on my own um, brand per se. So yeah, so give me a follow. I'm at tstakuja um, underscore um, Walia. So, so yeah, you'll find me there easily and feel free to DM because I'll shoot you a reply and hopefully we can collaborate. You know, she'll reply for sure, guys. So definitely message her. (laughs) Absolutely. Now I have to, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. Absolutely. So, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and I, I think that being able to connect with, um, people from all over the world um, via phone and and Skype like this, the way that you're doing it, it's really, really awesome. And I applaud you for it. So I look forward to watching you grow in your own journey as well. Thank you. That's really sweet. Thank you. Well, I really enjoyed having you on the show and guys, I will have all of her links to everything on the blog post for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for being on Trisha. Absolutely. Thank